Welcome to Intelligogy with Tracy Browder, where together we will disrupt educational normalcy. It is Teach Better Tuesday, and our Teach Better guest today is Hans Apple. Hello, Hans. How are you? I'm amazing. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you right now. I am super happy that you are here. Now, before we dig in, we have so much to talk about. But first, I, oh gosh, Hans is amazing. He has a heart of pure gold. And as I was reading his his bio and his information on the Teach Better website, literally, I mean, almost in tears. So let me get you emotional listeners. Hang on, here we go. <laughs> Hans has been a counselor for 19 years. He is passionate about school culture, servant leadership, and kindness. I mean, just kindness, that's that's his heart. And in 2018, he was the recipient of the ASCD Whole Child Award, Global Class Act Award, creating culture of excellence through kindness, service, and empathy. He also has a blog, his own personal blog, he designed for school culture. He has a student-led podcast, award-winning culture. He's an, a contributing author to books, Define Your Why, um, Reflect, in, Reflective Impact Journal, All In, Taking a Gamble in Education. And Hans, I want you to clarify this for me. You are working on your own book on school culture or have you finished your book on school, school culture? It's actually out. It just came out about two and a half weeks ago. Whoa. It's called Award-Winning Culture. Yep. Tell us where we can find it. Where can we find the book? Everywhere. So it's Amazon, Barnes & Noble. It's also on our website, which is awardwinningculture.com. Yeah, we just launched uh, about two and a half weeks ago, so we are pumped. Oh, congratulations. What an accomplishment. Wow. I, I'm so glad you shared that with us. Um, Hans is currently the director of, guess what? culture at the Teach Better team. <laughs> so so Hans, with with all of that, I, you know, first of all, I, I I admire your heart and your your servant leadership heart. That is so important. It's always been important, but it's particularly important in the culture that we're in right now with racial crisis at an all-time high. Um, so talking to you right now. It's, it's very special to me. And I really hope that what you share will resonate with all of our listeners, because no matter what your race, no matter what your culture, the, the things that you're doing, the, the work of your heart, that's at the core of loving everyone, no matter your race, no matter your color, no matter your skin, no matter your, no matter your beliefs, this is what it takes to build unity in a school community. So, I had to personally say, this is why I am really just moved to be able to talk to you right now. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> that, that is an amazing intro. <laughs> I don't know if I yeah. can follow that. That's so cool. As I kind of wipe some tears away. Um, so talk to us, Hans, about your passion. Just just tell us about your passion and, and what does this look like? in a school? How do you build this culture of empathy and, and student empowerment? Just, just talk to us about that. I love the question you just asked me, which was talk about your passion, because I feel like when we bring people into a conversation, most of the time we start with people's roles, right? We talk about their what, and really Tracy, what I want to start with is my why. 
And that mm-hmm. I think my why kind of informs my what, right? So I believe that education at its highest level is about inspiring others to discover and develop their joy. And isn't that what life is all about, right? Like living out your why, like understanding your own unique strengths and passions and aligning those to some deeper meaning. I call that purpose, right? Mm-hmm. I think when we take the time to intentionally craft an award-winning culture in our classrooms, offices, schools, districts, we provide our students with the opportunity to pursue joy. My background, um, when I was a little kid, I, I was your classic ACEs kid. I grew up a uh, child of divorce, abusive home. So for me, school became my safe haven, my place I could go. I could be age appropriate. I didn't have to worry about solving complicated adult emotional issues, right? I could just be a kid. And so I think from a very early age, I learned that school needs to be this joyful place because we, we know, and you, you alluded to it, what's going on in our world right now. I mean, even that aside, just all of the things that kids just deal with on a daily basis is overwhelming right? We're at at an all time high with anxiety, you know, and that's pre COVID, right? That that's pre George Floyd. I mean, that that's, that's just the world that we live in. Kids today Mm -hmm. are more stressed than ever. Um, I'll go ahead, jump in. Yeah. Oh, you heard me. I didn't know you heard me. I'm sorry. Um, you said kids are more stressed and, and, and you're right. And I want to kind of help listeners understand what we mean by that. It's social media, it's devices right at their fingertips. It's the fear of missing out. It's, it's filtering images to make themselves look their best. It's these false appearances. And then they're judged by their peers or, or, or they see these gatherings and kids hanging out and they're not invited. So there are all these new layers of pressure that our generations never, ever had to deal with. Oh, it's completely different. And I heard uh, a piece of research a while back that said the average uh, student today is dealing with the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient of the 1950s. In other words, what kids are just normally experiencing would have been enough to, you know, require hospitalization. Hmm. And, And, you know, that's, I mean, that if that doesn't just give you a moment to pause, that is like unbelievable, right? And, and you alluded to the, the social media and all the, the, the changes in our world. And now, like we're talking in the middle of all this COVID and, and pandemic, and we're dealing with, you know, all the social injustice and, and inequity issues that are now suddenly, um, I guess, at the fingertips of, of, um, you know, white America, you know, I, I mm-hmm. obviously black America has known about this for a long time, but I think now, you know, because of, uh, some of the videos and things that are out there, that's, you know, very present, present. Um, mm-hmm. and so, you know, it, it's unbelievable how much stuff kids are going through. And so for me, I really wanted to write a book and I, I guess I, I really want to commit to how do we create joyful learning experiences and environments for kids, because that's, you know, I, I think everything starts with education. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think, I think, you know, there's a lot of people I see out on social media right now and, and on the news and all that. And, and they're trying to figure out, like, what do we do to, um, you know, create change? You know, what, how we've seen this horrible thing happen to George Floyd. Now, now what do we do? Right. People are looking mm-hmm. for action. And I think you and I, Tracy, as educators are that action. 
I, I really do. Like I believe what we do in our schools with kids really impacts the future. Oh, Hans, I, I agree with you 100%. And and it starts with, you, you mentioned um, the things that are happening on the news. And this is something like for me, um, it, it was, it was, it was a calling on my heart. It wasn't me saying, I'm going to go do this. It was not that because I fought it. Hans, what I'm about to tell <laughs> you, I yeah. fought and I fought and I fought and I cried and I cried and I cried. I kept feeling this pull to have a voice in this situation instead of being quiet. And, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, what does that voice look like? Because historically, Hans, when, when things like this happen, Black voices are viewed in kind of one or two ways it, it through my lenses. It's either, oh, here they go again, or it's, mm. oh, they're being radical. So we kind of choose to be quiet. And so I really struggled with that. Having having that in, my, in, in the background of my mind, um, I think that was stopping me from using my voice. And when I finally did figure out how to use my voice, the first thing I did was sat down, recorded a video, about what it's like to be in my life. Um, but, but anyway, just, just kind of moving forward with that, you know, how, how do, how do people of color continue to use their voices? How, how do people of other races learn and use voices to communicate and that, you know, both sides are so nervous and scared. Like, I don't want to say this to offend. And and on my side of the fence, I don't want to say this and get on people's nerves. or I don't want people to kind of check out or be burned out or, or just over it. Cause you know, this has been our normal for years, but so there's so many thoughts and emotions, but I feel like when we create an environment of caring, of genuinely caring for one another, um, loving one another, that 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 culture, that race, it just bleeds in effortlessly because I'm not teaching a class. I'm teaching young people. I'm seeing you as an individual, as part of my whole class. And I think when kids feel like, and I, I'm the same way, when you see me, when I know you see me, I'm going to show up. I'm going to participate. I'm going mm-hmm. to feel empowered. I'm going to care. And so Hans, your work, the work that you're doing, that what I just said, it, it, it that's not this is the racial, this is, a, this is the solution to racial and social injustice. No, this is the solution to caring for people and seeing who people are as the individual. That is the same, no matter what the color of your skin. And, and I think you just hit the nail on the head. It, that's really the key to everything, isn't it? It's, it's seeing people as an individual. It's, it's recognizing them, valuing them, showing them that we love them. I mean, at our school, you know, just to give you an idea, like one of the things that we do that we love focusing on is what we call our Wildcat Nation morning greeting. And so every day we start by, um, you know, literally every single student and staff member and, and person that's entering the school gets high fives and fist bumps and smiles and compliments and, you know, those personal connections every day. And, and so it doesn't matter if it's snowing out. It doesn't matter if it's windy out. It doesn't matter if there's a staff meeting. It doesn't matter what's going on. That's happening every single day. And that's happened for years. We have music out there. It's just like the place to be. Right. Mm -hmm. But, but I think, you know, 
that's that's teaching people a couple different things. It's teaching people that you know servant leadership, you know, which is what that is. You know, being out there greeting every single day, right? That's hard work. Like there's days yeah. where we don't want to do that. Like Tracy, we don't want to mm-hmm. like be there like and put the smile and you know like all right, I'm so excited to go today. But like when we start doing that, it becomes a habit. And so it's the same thing. Like when we show curiosity in people, like I'm going to be curious about you. Like I was telling you before we started recording, I started listening to some of your podcasts because I wanted to know a little bit more about Tracy. I wanted to learn about your family and I wanted to like kind of dig in a little bit. So I knew who I was talking to. That's what, that's what school should be. That's what we need to be doing all the time. We need to be teaching kids, Hey, let's go learn about this person, right? Let's not put walls and barriers up. Let's, let's actually dig in and ask questions. And I think that's where real growth happens where real growth happens. I, I love that. And and let's park there for a minute, Hans, because I was in a conversation um, in the Education Never Dies chat. And one thing, there was kind of an after conversation and somebody shared, you know, books that are reflective of, of students' culture is one way to um, show that we see students. And and while that is a good way, I, I always want to tell people that it's so much more than that. Just please don't think that because you have this library that you, you know, your job is done. Um, when we talk about, you know, caring for the student, then we have to transition to what does our everyday look like in the classroom? Uh, every single teacher I know uses videos. Are, are we? Are the videos culturally representative? Is the music diverse? And and not just connecting with the black student. Um, we have our our Native American, our Hispanic, our Latino. Are, are we connecting the Asian population? It, what the the videos that we choose, the curriculum, just because we're handed a curriculum, we can still add to that. We can make sure that our <laughs> curriculum and our Absolutely. content is culturally reflective of our students. And I love what you said, Hans, about um, your, your morning pump up. Um, I, I, my collective school doesn't do that, but I am in the hall every single day. And and there are certain kids that I will walk down almost to the front of the building to meet. (laughs) And and sometimes I end up because the morning is this particular year, we'll just call him Bobby. Bobby would come in with a frown on his face and nobody could crack it. Nobody could crack it. I would pick him up. I would swing him in the hall. I would airplane him. We talk, we laugh. And by the time we get to the classroom, he is that happy, normal kid. And nobody in the classroom knows that he had a frown on his face that nobody else could crack. It's doing those extra things, like you said, Hans, whether we feel like it or not, because it's not about us. It's about that one child over and over and over again until you get to the 700 children in the building or the 20 or 30 in your classroom. It's seeing each child as an individual. Oh, amen. You know, you know what's beautiful about what you just said is a, a lot of people don't realize it makes you feel great too because a, as you're lifting that kid up we'll call we'll, we'll just go with Bobby for right now as you're as you're bringing Bobby down to your classroom by the way even if you're having a, a crappy day your day is getting better because you realize the influence of man I just flipped this kid's day like I just okay. turned him around and he is ready to go now Mm-hmm. So it feels amazing. I, I've watched that with, with our adult staff members 
who sometimes, you know, they're grudgingly going and, and doing things like, you know, we're talking about. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, now I'm ready to go. You know, like not only is Bobby ready to go, but now, you know, <laughs> we're all ready to get going and, and start learning and, 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 you know, lift other people's day. And I think if, if we could have a world where we were just kind of focused on that, where we just were all the time, like looking around going, how can I make, you know, somebody else's day brighter? I think all of the things that we see in the news would start to dissipate. I really do. And I, I think we can model that we can, we can teach that in our schools every single day so that when they leave us, they go out and that's just, that's their normalcy. You know, we, we have a phrase, we're trying to make kindness normal at enterprise. We should be trying to make kindness normal in our world. Mm -hmm. Mm -mm -mm -mm. And what would it look like if we did that? If we just, wow, Hans, I, 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 you can tell that moved me <laughs> because I'm, I'm that same person. And some people say it's visionary, but what if, what if we all had that same love and joy in our hearts to the point where my purpose is to make sure that you're happy and by investing in you and filling your cup and making sure that your needs are met. I, it just happens for me. This is not a word, but byproductly, that is so not yeah. a word. Yeah, <laughs> but, no, I know um, exactly what you mean. It, it, it just, it, it happens just in automatically from caring for somebody else. Um, and, and if we did that more, so much would change in our world right now. Um, Hans, talk <laughs> to us a little bit about, um, so you, you gave us one beautiful example of something that um, you, the campus does. So when that happens, when, when you're, when you're motivating kids, rain, shine, sleet, snow, hot, <laughs> cold, what do you think that does for kids? Oh, it, it, it just lifts them up. I mean, you, you can watch shoulders slumped, um, as they approach, uh, school cause it's early or cause they just had a bad experience with mom and dad at home or, you know, maybe they haven't eaten yet. I mean, just a host of things. They walk up to the school and you can just feel like this weight come off them. Like, okay, somebody sees me, somebody knows my name, somebody noticed my shoes, somebody, you know, physically reached out and touched me, you know, like with a high five or fist bump. Um, I, I, you know, I work in a middle school, right? So middle school is hard. I mean, and not to say that every, every level isn't hard, but, but there's so much going on in middle school. And I think a lot of times kids feel alone in a crowd. And so mm -hmm. if we, and, and a lot of people in society feel that way anymore. And, and so I think if we can, you know, help show that, you know, Hey, I see you. I love you. I'm excited to have you here. It means so much. And it means so much, obviously, for me as the adult to do that for students and, and you know, other people as they come in. But now imagine it if it's the 12 and 13 and 14 year old kid that's sitting in their class that is doing that. You know, that's where we really get into a different level. Like, I think, you know, we know in middle school and high school, friends almost matter more than parents and everybody else, right? It's like social world is everything. 
Almost Toms. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, you have, you have boys right now that are yes. <laughs> in that realm. So, um, yeah, I, I, so I think, you know, empowering them to be those people that are like, you know, out there and, and greeting Bobby as he walks up, um, that means almost more. And so, you know, we're very intentional with our kids. It's not, we don't just, you know, say, Hey, you're out here greeting, whatever. We literally physically teach them how to stand, you know, how to put their phone away, you know, mm. how to like make eye contact from a distance, you know, how to have like, Hey, I'm going to have special handshakes with this guy over here. And this mm-hmm. one, we're going to have this certain connection. Um, I, I'll just give you an example. We have a little girl that comes through the door every day and she has, uh, I don't even know what it is. It's like a violin or something. And so her arms are just like filled every day. And so we've had this thing for two years that we'd sort of do this chicken wing deal where, cause we can't actually do the fist bump. It doesn't work cause she doesn't have mm-hmm. any hands for it. <laughs> well, this last year, this is like year three. She hasn't, she's basically left her instrument at school. And so she's, she's had her hands free basically is what I'm mm-hmm. saying. We still do the chicken wing because that's just our thing. And so mm-hmm. I think the more of those kinds of things that we have with people, the more we feel that personal connection. And so it can't just be, me as the counselor or as a teacher, but now let's, let's put students in that role, right? Because, because they're the ones that are going to leave. They're going to head off to high school and college and life. And we want them to take these skills and keep doing it. It, it can't be, be just when Mr. Apple is just, you know, standing around there, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Hans, I love the student empowerment and the the really cool thing about middle school and high school is when when we as educators are consistent and we don't give up it's kind of like they finally give in and <laughs> i mean agree to to allow themselves to be a kid and not be this i've got to be cool i've got to be you know hard i've got to just keep rolling yep. um yep. you know it's like guards are are let down and and they're comfortable just being who they are and being kids. And that that's the beauty of that caring and that empathy and constantly showing up. Um, you know, my one of my sons is 14 and he's a freshman in high school. And Hans, when I tell you in middle school, I was like, what are we going to make it? And I don't mean him. I mean, my husband. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. But I, yeah. I will say, Hans, that he, I, I have a whole episode with him. He's, he's exceptionally gifted. I mean, like seriously, exceptionally gifted. Um, and oh, Hans, it was hard. Like he's, he's exceptionally gifted. He has ADD and ADHD and more teachers did not get him than the teachers who did get him. Mm. So when you add that onto just being a middle school student, it was, there were days, there was one day in particular, I never will forget. uh, He was standing, uh, the the moms and dads, we kind of stand on the lawn and wait for the kids to come out. And he came out just in tears and just fell into my chest. And and you have this preteen black male who, you know, stereotypically they, they don't cry, um, <laughs> didn't care who was around and just fell in my chest sobbing. And it was because he finally couldn't take this one white male teacher who just 
Donovan got on his nerves um, for lack. There's no prettier way to put it. His his emails were harsh. And and anyway, that that's a whole different story. But I'm, I'm saying that to say that years before that, I realized that my son was very different and I was going to have to be really, really creative and figure out what he liked and tap into that. And so that, that's a whole different story. But because because I peeled back layers, because I saw him, because I, I wanted him to thrive because of his differences, because of those beautiful differences. Um, so fast forward through the whole story, he every year he has a Christmas buddy program where he adopts a family in the community. Um, one time it was a family who evacuated here that lost everything in Hurricane Katrina, um, Hurricane Harvey, I'm sorry. Um, another one was a coach's family, one of his football player, football team coaches who lost his life to cancer. And that that was just last year. Hans, the entire football team, the entire school of over 2,000 students, or how the, the enrollment is huge at his school, they all rallied for this purpose. They all showed up at a restaurant where, what was it, 20% of the proceeds went to this family. And that was just because I believed in my son and I did everything I could to tap into what do you like? What is your passion? Let's make it happen. So I do that same thing with every kid in my class, but and, and not just because I have a child that I need to do it with, but I know if I'm doing it with my child, these parents expect me, hope that I will do the same thing with their children. And as educators, we owe that to every single parent and mm. child that oh comes across our path. My my brain right now is just lighting up, Tracy. Like you're you're hitting on so many of the things that I really just so believe. First of all, I think I would love your son. He sounds like a rock star. Like I want to get him on our student led podcast. Like he sounds just so cool. Um, golly, I mean, so many things uh, go through my mind as you're talking about Donovan. Um, we do have to be relentless. Number one, I, you know, mm -hmm. I think about students, you know, we were talking earlier about, um, kids that walk through the door and we've had kids that for two years wouldn't give us a high five or a fist bump. Like they didn't trust kindness, right. Mm -hmm. Or, or maybe they've got other baggage and, and things from their own life that, that gets in the way of them being able to, you know, even open themselves up to that. So it's taken years sometimes to kind of like chip away. Right. And, and I think what you, what you said is with Donovan, you, you did, you, you were curious, right. And certainly because mm -hmm. he's your boy and everything else, but I really like what you said at the end where, you know, it can't just be you, it can't be you as mom only. And, right. you know, we, as educators, we need to invest that belief and that curiosity mm -hmm. of like digging mm -hmm. and finding what, the thing is for our Donovan, like every day, like that, that needs to be like just our mission. And, and so I think, yes. you know, that really, you just like spoke so much to my why it's like that uncovering of the strengths and, and passions and talents. Um, I actually, I listened to a couple of the episodes with Donovan. I was so impressed. One of the things that I really liked, um, about that was, um, uh, how, you know, you, you talked about a summer 
where you guys were trying to figure out, you know, what are we going to do? We're not just going to play video games all day. And so Mm -hmm. I I love that some of the things that you guys tapped in were like big idea kinds of things like, Hey, let's write a book or let's, let's go be a reporter for the summer. It Mm -hmm. wasn't, it wasn't just, um, you know, let's go find a summer job or, you know, let's, let's do something that we think, you know, a kid could do. But I liked about what you, what you kind of like brainstormed with him. You, I mean, you kind of set some big goals and that I, when I listened to that episode with Donovan, it kind of spoke to my heart. We, we actually created a student led podcast at our school. And similarly, I didn't really know if the students were going to be able to do it. Like when we, like we just set out on this mission, but I think sometimes we underestimate what kids are capable of. Mm. So I love that you were like, hey, why don't you just go be a reporter for the summer? And you guys sort of dialogued about what that could look like and brainstormed. But like who we don't think of that that way enough about students. We're, we we kind of sell them short. You know what I mean? Yes, yes, yes. So that, oh I mean, that, that, that really spoke to me when you guys were talking that through. I was like, you know we've got to be doing this all the time. Like we've, we've got to be doing this in school. We, we need to be able to teach parents how to do this with their own kids. Um, mm-hmm. You know, let's not, let's not set the bar at just, you know, this is what you're capable of. Let's think a little bit bigger than that. Um, so I love that list as you guys were working through that and like, Hey, these were different things that we kind of like threw around because you is, he's obviously a bright kid. I mean, he was reading at a ridiculously high level, right? Yeah. And so you recognized, okay, yeah, he, he, you know, he's got ADHD or whatever. This is a struggle, but he's also got these other gifts and we need to tap mm-hmm. into these gifts. Mm-hmm. And gosh, I hope as educators, we're, we're doing that every day because if, if we're only seeing our kids through their like, you know, limitations or weaknesses, we're just, we're not doing our best. We're, we're, we're selling ourselves and, and our students short. If, if we're only seeing kids through the lenses of their limitations, we are automatically limiting them and, and shame on us. I'll, I'll just have to go there, you know, shame (laughs) on us because Hans, it's so much easier. The job is so much easier when you tap into each individual child's passion and the, the exact same thing I do with Donovan. I teach kindergarten I actually do this with kindergartners. We 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 thrive on inquiry-based learning and it's what are what are you curious about? And and sometimes it has to be small group. I can't do what Caitlin does and, and the passion projects yet, but it's definitely on my list to tackle with sure. kindergartners. But to see them collectively as a small group, come up with something that they're interested in learning about. And then I'm guiding them and they're learning how to work together. Each child has a role. There's a remote control who's the volume person. There's the driver, the one who (laughs) uh, (laughs) kind of facilitates. There's an equipment manager. That's the only one that can go get supplies. So every child already feels empowered just because they have a role in the group. This is my responsibility. This is my job. I'm going to take care of this for us. So there's that. And then I'm guiding them to learn how to listen to someone, the other person, not just wait. Like if if we're talking, I'm listening to you, Hans. I'm not like, okay, just hurry up and finish so I can say what I want to say. And and so (laughs) I'm, I'm teaching these kids 
how to do that. And so what I've learned and what I've started to see is they'll say things like, oh, you just made me think of something. So that's when you know. And how many times have you and I said that? You made me think of this. You made me think of that. That's because we're actively listening. So when we take the time to just set your kids free, empower them, um, allow them to explore passions, you're already nurturing the, the social injustice because you're allowing them to explore what are they passionate about? Not what I think we should be learning in my classroom, because then I'm, I'm not, I'm black. I'm only representing a small portion of my classroom. I'm guilty too. Then if I'm just doing what I'm interested in, it's got to be, what are they interested in? Gosh, I love all of that. The, the listening piece really speaks to me a lot. Um, I think listening is wanting to hear. And I mm. think, you know, coming full circle, Tracy, back to some of the things that we talked about at the beginning with the current state of the world, right? Gosh, isn't that the thing that's missing? You know, I, mm. I, I have, have white people been listening? Have, have we been mm. listening for all these years? And, and God, I hope we're listening right now. You know what I mean? Like it, it's, it's here, it's here for white people to listen. And, and, mm. you know, is it happening? Oh, Hans, you, (laughs) there's, there's so much to that. And, um, oh gosh, it's the fact that people, you know, if if you're not listening, then that means, it means a couple of things. You're, you're in a bubble and you refuse to come (laughs) out or, or your head is in the sand or it's not important to you. And so there's got to be a lot of self-reflection. Um, and if you didn't realize this was a problem, and a lot of people are having feelings of guilt because, oh my gosh, my white privilege, I didn't know this was a thing. So <laughs> you have to you know, give that some credence and, and okay, well, you should have known, but you don't. Okay, so there, there's, that's when grace comes in, but you can't stay in that space of mm-hmm. the shame and the guilt. And then it kind of turns to anger and le- mm-hmm. let's, 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 let's give this the space that it needs and turn all of those emotions into learning and listening and, and, truly going out and finding information on your own. I think that's the biggest thing. It's a couple of things. It's, it's, it's listening to the news and it's listening to the news with a different set of lenses, listening to the news. And when you watch the news, think of Bobby who might be black. Think of um, Jackie who might be black. Think of the conversations that their families are having at home while you're watching the news and just kind of going, that's terrible. We are watching the news going, baby, this is why you can't run outside. Or Mm. this is why you can't be out with your friends late at night. This is why you can't go with a group to the mall. Think about, know, and understand that those are the conversations that we're having. So as educators, we can't go in the classroom the next day and say, hey, everybody, how's it going? Did y'all watch Friends last night? I, I don't right. even know if Friends is still running. <laughs> but <laughs> we, we, have to, we have to make sure that we pause and, and, and 
and watch. And even if you don't know what to say when you go in your classroom the next day, if you just walk by Bobby's desk and rub his shoulder gently on the back, he'll know what that means. If you go to Jackie and just give Jackie a hug, if you just squeeze a hand, they will know what that means. Sometimes it doesn't take words. Sometimes it just takes a simple show of compassion. That's all it takes. Oh, I love that. God. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have any words to follow that. That is, that is beautiful. I think, I think that's what our world needs right now is, is yeah. that those simple acts of compassion. Right. And it, mm-hmm. and it starts by listening and, and then it, it, once you've listened now, let's put that into action. And that, that can be big actions or little actions. You know, it's a little action mm-hmm. to walk up to Bobby and, and squeeze his arm and say, I see you. You know, I love mm-hmm. you. That's that's not mm-hmm. that hard. That's really not that hard. But it's not. It's not. But I but I think, you know, how do we do that every day? I think that's that's what I'm asking. That's what I hope every white person right now is asking. Mm-hmm. And and, and I, you know, go ahead. I will say, um, a good friend, Don Harris and I, we are working together on Lead Like a Pirate. Um, Beth and Shelly have been so gracious in giving us their Lead Like a Pirate chat space. Um, and so the first week we just kind of talked about how are you doing and, and just kind of pouring out emotions. And this week we plan on taking that to action. And the first step we're going to talk about is burnout. It takes grit. And I think Mm -hmm. people who are not black don't even realize that's a thing. So we're trying to help realize don't don't check out. Don't forget about it. Don't you know, don't just kind of get back into your normal routine. We've got Mm -hmm. to keep going. And this doesn't just mean preparing for school to start. This means for the next school year, the next school year and the next school year and really not just school life. We have to we have to look through a bigger set of lenses. So can I ask you a question, Tracy? Do it. I don't know if we have time, but I, I would Absolutely. love, I would love to, one of the episodes I listened to was with your family and you guys talked about what it's like to raise black sons, right? And, mm-hmm. and some of the things that um, you have to intentionally teach your boys when they're out in the world, right? And it's things mm-hmm. like, you know, taking your hood off, you know, like not having your hands in your pockets, some of those, you know, important things that that may get them hurt if, you know, mm-hmm. because of the world we live in. And, mm-hmm. and what it struck me, cause I, I'm all about student empowerment. You know that about me. And mm-hmm. in a sense, you're empowering your boys, right. To, to, you know, try to like figure out how they can set themselves up to be as safe as possible. Um, right. here, here's my question to you. I, I work in a school that there's not a lot of black children. It, it mm-hmm. is a lot predominantly white. Um, so I want to put you on the spot a little bit. What advice do you have for me as an educator? How can I empower white kids? Because I feel like a lot of the conversations that are happening on social media and with educators are like, okay, what do I do as a white educator? What do I do as a white educator? And and that matters to me a lot, but I, you know, me, I want to empower kids. I want to change the future. I want to change the next generation. Right. So I'm, I'm in a place right now where, you know, I'm having those kinds of conversations with white kids. Right. And, and what, what, I guess, what can we, what can we, you know, how can we teach white kids, um, 
that are really just surrounded by a lot of other white kids? How can we teach them that when they go off and, and, you know, um, change the world, which, which we all hope that they do, that, that they do that with, you know, an open heart, right. And, and, and a, a different lens than what we see with adults out there in the world. Oh, Hans. Um, first of all, thank you for, for asking the question and, and honestly feeling comfortable enough and having the courage to ask the question. Um, you know, if, if I could say a couple of things, I think first, especially in middle school, I think a few things should happen. One, I think the principal of that school needs to call every single family and talk to every parent in the building and say, we are committing to do our part to educate our kids, to teach them, to make them aware, to push them to get outside of the bubble. Mm -hmm. Will you support us? Get consent forms. We want to watch this video. Will you support us? Maybe it's taking it. If you really, really want to change some things, have an evening meeting, invite all the parents, invite all the students, please come. We want you to come have pizza, bring food, whatever you got to do to get them there <laughs> where, where you, you've got, you've got families, you're, you're talking to families, you're watching as a school, a segment, George Floyd, eight minutes, 46 seconds, watch it, watch it. Now, I'm going to give you a minute to talk, to, to, to process that and soak that in. Love that. We don't have many black people in our school, but we live in America. We live in mm -hmm. a in a place where it is very diverse. We mm -hmm. have to prepare and equip and, and empower our children to understand how to have awareness about someone's story because they will go to college. They will be in organizations. They will be in community service organizations with these black young men and women. And you can't have a, a, a you can't have a meaningful relationship if you don't understand someone's story. You can unintentionally say offensive things. So we do need to prepare and educate our students and, and we have to equip them and inspire them to want to continue to do the work because what we're doing now as adults, this is for their generation. So you take that global approach and then you bring it down to the classroom and you're still maybe that same video for a whole semester is what you use to, to bring awareness. Maybe it's the video I share, or maybe it's the podcast episode I share and a whole lot of other episodes that other people of color have shared. Maybe we're listening to that and we're talking about it and kids are saying, I had no idea. That's what my friend Bobby is going through. I had no idea. But then we have to guide them that it doesn't become sympathy. We don't, I, 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 mm -hmm. this is part of my, how I'm educating people. We don't need sympathy. And we also don't need cheerleaders in the sense of, I, I, I've seen something on social media where white people are like raising, have an image of raising a fist and we've got to fight the power. No, 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 no. <laughs> that, that's not what we need. So we, we have to really do some education and awareness and, and teach children how to understand what is happening, that there are differences. We can't act like 
it doesn't exist. Just because like Hans, I, I know this is not you. I know you're not, I know you're not the source of racism, but that doesn't mean you don't talk about it. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean that, okay, well, we're not like that. So we don't have to, we don't have to worry about that. <laughs> yeah, we've got to address it. So I think those are some of the conversations that need to be had. But in all honesty, especially at the middle school and high school level, they've got to see something. And and even if that's too graphic, they've got to listen. Maybe it is the podcast episode. Maybe it is just a parent talking. They've got to hear the stories. Um, that That's the first step. And then we talk about those stories and, and we explain to them because a lot of people don't know this is generations long. Yeah. Um, so it's just so many awareness conversations that have to happen. But I do think it's up to the principal to reach out to parents and say, look, we, we are committed to doing our part to develop educated, hard work mission-minded, loving, caring students so they can go out into the world and understand the lenses through which every person looks. Golly, I, I love what you just said. We just need to bottle that up and, and send that out to a lot yeah. of educators to hear. I'll give you a, a little piece of hope um, from a fairly white community, white school, right? But um I think this, I think this will breed a little bit of hope for you in, in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously we've been working pretty hard on kindness and, and love and, and things like that in our school. And one of the things that has happened, uh, just, you know, basically since George Floyd, all, all of these crazy, um, you know, things that started popping up in the news, mm-hmm. we, we ended up having a group of our servant leader students that created their own petition and um, basically rose up and said, you know what? We don't think this district is doing right by a group, a, a group of students. And, you know, here's, here's what we want. And so they actually created, you know, guidelines um, about, you know, this is what we think the schools should look like and, and, you know, the type of curriculum we want and, and really laid out like, a point by point plan presented it to the news and the local, you know, newspapers and obviously uh, eventually the school board and superintendent. But I think that, you know, we're going to come full circle, but I think that happens because we've put kids in a situation for years where they feel like they have a voice and Mm -hmm. that they can start to see people as individuals and so mm-hmm. this wasn't this wasn't a, a bunch of uh, black students that put this together, right? This was a mix of everybody in our community, mm-hmm. um, and they really did it on their own. You know, th- this wasn't a teacher led thing. This wasn't a parent led thing, um, and and so that kind of that filled me with a little bit of hope. I know there's there's people in our community that are wrestling with some of the things that you know they, that they put. Right. They said, hey, these are the things we want to happen in our school that we think are going to increase equity. And I I think that's making some people uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I I feel like that's a good thing. You know what I mean? Like it's time for some people to feel uncomfortable. And I I I guess it, it recharges my batteries that, you know, 
some of the work that we're putting in with our students at an early age as they, you know, continue to grow and, and feel more and more empowered uh, and have these open hearts, right, that are, that are looking for kindness and looking for uh, ways to make the world better, they would, you know, kind of go beyond, uh, you know, just that outrage that, that you and I talked about or that shame or guilt, maybe if it's, you know, a white student. Now they're putting in, in uh, you know, things that they want to see in their community and their world. So I think that's well, special. That is student empowerment at its finest. That is exactly what we want in, in, in our younger generation. I know I said earlier that, um, um, my son just came in and distracted me. Donovan. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Donovan. Speak of the rock star. (laughs) I'm sorry. Um, but, but, you know, the, that's what we want is for kids to be the activist and, and that's, that's the goal. And how beautiful is it that, you you know, I I said a minute ago that we don't need a cheerleader. And and what I mean by that is we don't need someone to go from the feelings of guilt to we've got to do something. We've got to fix this. Let's go do this. And let's, you know, that there's, there's a difference. There's what is the work that needs to be done? That's what we need. Not just the cheerleader yelling and screaming on social media and finding graphics and <laughs> pictures from the, you know, Martin Luther King's lifespan. That that's that doesn't do anything. Um, but what does do something is what you're saying, kids of all races, your community got together to do. How can we change? You know, it, it, it if, if we if we come into if we are awakened through awareness and then we're empowered to create change, that's what we want. That's what we want. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, that, that's that's the key to, to changing everything, isn't it? And you know, you Maybe. talked about being a, a cheerleader. Um, I think sometimes educators can be cheerleaders, but we can be cheerleaders for our students. Right. And, yes. and I think, I think, you know, it's not necessarily being a cheerleader, like you're saying on social media and, oh yeah, I'm going to make this post about stuff, but it's okay. We've got some kids that, that want to make some world change here. So let's be cheerleaders right. to them. Let's set them up for that success. What do they mm-hmm. need? Do they need resources? Do they need support? Do they need guidance? Do they just need a, you know, an affirmative, like, yeah, you're on the right track. Keep going, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, I, I had a, a student reach out to me recently that was kind of involved with some of that. And I think that's kind of what she was looking for was like, do you approve Mr. Apple? Like, is, mm-hmm. is this okay? Am I, do-? you know, and of course, you know, my response was like, hell yeah, it's okay. <laughs> you know, <Right>? <laughs> <laughs> And so, I, you know, but I think that's, that goes back to, you know, are we really setting kids up to make those, those, you know, it's, it's kind of back to our conversation about Donovan. Like it wasn't you that was the reporter mm-hmm. and doing it through Donovan, right? It's, we're, mm-hmm. we're just going to set him up, you know, to, to yeah. go out and what was it? Kid, kid, Chris around kid town or something around town. <laughs> yeah. like that's yeah, exactly. Like he has that ability and, and, mm-hmm. you know, I don't even know 10 years ago if I would have thought, you know, some of our students could have done 
some of the stuff that's happened in the last few days, you know, with, with pushing the envelope with our school district and our news media and all this kind of stuff and signing petitions and all these things. But it's like, they can do this, you know, and we need to get out of their way and help them to do this, to change the world. Mm, and you know, Hans, that we need to get out of their way. And you mentioned the word relentless previously. And just think about this for a minute, because when you said that it inspired me, it, it sparked something. So teachers, we have changed on a dime in a global crisis and done what we never thought we could do without mass and extensive preparation. We started, I call it crisis remote learning because it wasn't like well-planned, but it was crisis remote learning on the front end. And you had people using platforms that they never, ever have used before. We have <laughs> teachers on the, on, on the, on the, right on the heels of retiring who Clearly, I have to do what, you know, yeah. and, and and everybody dug in. We rolled up our sleeves. We wiped off some sweat, maybe even even some tears. And we 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 are teaching remotely. So we have proven to ourselves that that we as educators can do the unthinkable when 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 we have no choice. What do you think kids can do every day when given the choice? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, sky's the limit, isn't it? I mean, man, it, it's, it's yeah. exciting. It's exciting to think about what, what kids are capable of and, and, and how much they really do impact the world. You know, I, I think about with our, with our podcast, which kind of became a big thing. We've, we've done it for a few years. We had students that, you know, obviously knew they were impacting, um, you know, their own community and, 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 you know, students and parents and, and, and people around our neighborhoods and towns, but it really changed the game for them when they realized that there were people listening all over the world. And so we started getting messages from kids that were on the East coast. We're on the West coast, Washington state far away. And, you know, they were getting messaged about, Hey, I listened to this episode about maybe it was bullying or whatever the, the thing was. And, uh, it really resonated with me. And so this is something that I did, or this is something that I'm thinking about. So when kids know that their voice actually matters, like, mm. oh, it's such a game changer, Tracy. It's like they they just, they start to understand that they're a part of the change, right? That they're a part of this world in a special way. And, you know, they look Hans through lenses that we don't look through. We're looking through... Um, 20, 30, 40, 50 year old lenses. <laughs> These kids are looking through very fresh lenses. They're not tainted. They don't have perceptions and, and, and predetermined notions. It, it's a wide open slate. And if we can cultivate and fertilize and nurture and allow that to be the energy in our classrooms, we are truly truly igniting our future by setting them free in the classroom. Well, and you're a kindergarten teacher, right? So you're hitting kids at that impressionable age, right? When we talk about, you know, race and, and uh, equity and all those kinds of uh, huge topics, you have a chance to influence that every day. Because I, I think uh, this is my own belief. Maybe I'm crazy and you can correct me if I am. 
I don't really believe people are born racist. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? Like, am yeah. I way off on that? Like, I feel like that's something that we, the society like imparts on kids mm-hmm. somewhere along mm-hmm. the way. And we go, okay, now we've, we've screwed this kid up. <laughs> so now we've got to try to fix them. But you have a chance in kindergarten to teach people from a very early age that, hey, we're going to love everybody. We're going to support everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, Hans, it's so funny you mentioned that. I was in a conversation with someone and the the term white privilege has been used a lot. And, and it even with little kindergartners, um, I, I have to lovingly educate. Um, oftentimes it's, it's white girls who automatically hop to the front of the line or if they, they want a toy, they just go and take it from somebody. And, and a lot of kids mm-hmm. do that. But when I talk to them, I'm like, well, honey, why did you take, well, I wanted it. And it's, it's, it's almost <laughs> like a, like, duh, I wanted it. So, you know, I, I, I that work, I mean, I, th- it's an everyday part of my work and yeah. I, I can see and it's not, it's, it's unintentional things that we haven't taught in our homes, um, yeah. as, as different races. So that, that sharing that it, it, you don't have privilege, well, you do have privilege, but you have privilege because of your skin, but you don't need to own that privilege. You need to relinquish the rights to that privilege. And, and how powerful is that if people started having that conversation? Um, so yes, you're right, Hans. I, I try my best in my classroom to talk through situations with every student about how to love, how to care, how to be selfless instead of selfish. Um, and that's that's how the anti-racist conversation looks in a kindergarten classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we can't go and use the eight minutes, 46 seconds. I can't use a Tatiana Jefferson's <laughs> name. I can't, you know, but, right. but what I can do is teach kids how to love and care and put others before themselves, no matter the color, no matter the culture. Oh, you're speaking my language. That's that's character 101, right? I mean, that's that's the thing that I feel like kind of been missing in schools, in society, in homes for a while. Um, and you know, a, a huge buzzword right now in education is social emotional learning, right? SEL. Mm-hmm. Everybody kind of knows it. Everybody talks it. The reality is, character gives SEL its why. And that is really the foundation, you know, like when we, when we want to really understand why, you know, some of these social skills and relationship skills and all these things really matter. Well, it's, it is these words, like you just started to say selflessness, right? Humility, kindness, empathy, like those are the skills that not, not only kindergarten kids, right? Need, but like all K-12 need, like this, this just needs to be a part of everything we do. You're absolutely right. Part of everything we do, and we can start making the change and making some of these things that you and I talked about part of everything we do. Hans, we've definitely got to get back together again. Um, We we still have so much ground to cover, you and I. (laughs) I know, I know. It's going to happen again soon. Yes, I love this conversation. 
Oh, so Hans, thank you so much for taking time to be with me on Intelligogy, the podcast at Teach Better Tuesday, where together we are disrupting educational normalcy. Friends, this is all the time we have, so we'll see you next time. Thank you, Hans. Thank you. 